1: Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Wednesday, Buckeye talk from Cleveland. I'm Maurice We're going to talk a little bit about recruiting on this podcast, and we'll probably do recruiting again on Thursday. Stephen will be back on the Thursday pod. He and I are planning to be out there, as I record this Wednesday morning, uh, at Ohio State's first recruiting camp of the summer. They have a bunch scheduled in June. This one on Wednesday, June 1st is the first one, and then they got a bunch of official visits right lined up in the month of June. And so on this podcast, we're going to, I have a guest. His name is um, Bud Davis. And I just came across him on Twitter and he dove into the data on some recruiting things that I thought were interesting. Sort of the numbers behind when guys take official visits, what percent convert into commitments based on When they come, I think everybody – and Bud talks about this. There's this sort of uh, anecdotal perception that you want the last official visit for a player, right, that when guys are making their schedules or whatever, you kind of want to be at the end. So he has data on that. And then when we get done talking with him, we'll come back and talk about some of the guys who have official visits scheduled with Ohio State and other schools, how we might want to p- apply the data that Bud's talking about to a couple specific circumstances with some of Ohio State's major targets that they have lined up here in June, They have a bunch of guys coming in on the June 10th weekend, a bunch coming in on the June 17th weekend, and a whole bunch coming in on the June 24th weekend. So we'll talk a little bit about them. And then again, Stephen and I will be out at this recruiting camp on Wednesday, and the plan is we'll come back on the Thursday pod. And Stephen and I will talk about some of the guys that were out there, some of the things we saw, some of the things we learned. And then at the end of the week, we have to get to the Wisconsin preview because we're doing one a week here going through Ohio State schedule. We've done Notre Dame, Arkansas State and Toledo, good Wisconsin interview lined up. This Wisconsin game is pretty interesting. They have some pretty interesting players, and I think you guys will want to hear that at the end of the week. But the good news is Stephen will be back on the pod. He's back feeling better. And uh, But we're, for right now, again, this guy's name is Bud Davis, and we're going to talk about the analytics of recruiting, some recruiting things he crunched the numbers on in college football, then, then some things about the transfer portal, and a little bit about um how well teams have to recruit in order to be a championship level team and how Ohio state fits into that little different. I thought it was an interesting conversation. I think you guys will enjoy it. Thanks as always for joining us here on Buckeye talk. Very excited for today's guest. He's bud Davis. He has a PhD in geology possible bud that you are the smartest person ever to appear on this podcast. You're certainly the smartest <laughs> person on this two person podcast so, Bud Davis, thanks for coming
0: on Buckeye Talk. Yeah, you, you're giving me a lot of credit. We'll see how we'll see how it goes before we make those big claims. Uh, it's uh, it's the <laughs> low bar. It's a low bar here on Buckeye
1: Talk. So, Bud, this is the magic of the interwebs. Bud was tweeting about something, and somebody that I follow, an analytics person, I try to follow a lot of analytics people, both in college sports and in the NFL. I think retweeted some of your work, bud, into my timeline. And I was like, well, this is interesting. And then all of a sudden there's a direct message and you're so gracious as to agree to come on Buckeye Talk because what you are doing, we're going to talk about different pieces of work that you have done. We're getting inside the numbers of college football here. But one of the most interesting things, you're doing some things with recruiting and as we were talking before we got started, you just said you're just sort of curious because there's a lot of things that we believe about recruiting strategy and visits and that kind of thing. And you just sort of thought there wasn't a lot of data that had been applied to those recruiting situations, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, if you've been on message boards or, or Twitter for a while, you usually see kind of some of the same stuff, um, get repeated over and over and kind of taken us back, but you know, I'm always curious in, into what the actual data says, and and diving into that. Um, so that's really how I, I kind of get some of the more interesting questions that I like looking at.
1: Okay, so we're gonna get to that. I, I, we gotta give a little more background here. Uh, you're we're a group of Gator fan. You said a group of Florida Gator fan.
0: Yeah, I'm a third generation Gator, and just grew up watching them in the, you know, '90s and 2000s, and got to see three national championships. It was great. So what is your view on Urban Meyer then?
1: Are you like, hey, thanks for the championships? Or are you like, ah, oh, that guy
0: left us? Man, it's, it's been a roller coaster. Like, you know, used to love him, didn't like him when he left us. And then I'm a Jags fan too. And oh, you know, I, think, I think that's just kind of hard. It hasn't helped with the, with the feelings and reputation. That is a
1: lot of Urban Meyer in your life there, bud. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so see, that's feelings though. That's feelings. We don't have to worry about feelings. We're talking about numbers. So you are a college football fan, you're you're doing rock analysis. <laughs> I'm a I'm a rock. You're too, you said you so you have a PhD in geology, you said you you're on the terminal and you have a computer screen up, and then it's like off on the side. You start doing crunching numbers on stuff. What's on the primary screen? What kind of things are you doing? Is it worth even trying to explain it to me or if in our 30 seconds of interaction, have you determined that I'm too dumb to understand what you do? It's
0: it's it's a lot of different types of modeling. So I do um, a lot of geophysics, which is like the data side, trying to figure out what's going on actually underground. And then we do a lot of simulations to try and figure out what are the actual processes going on, because geology, it's, you know, the scales that we deal with are so big. And the time scales can be so big, it's, it's tough to see stuff in real time and, and get all the samples you need. So you have to use, you know, data to, to, to make good insights.
1: So see, that's, you're trying to figure out what's going on underground. That also applies to recruiting. Yeah, see, that's, exactly. It's all, it's all the same world. Under the earth's crust is where all the interesting stuff is. So the things that caught my eye in particular were some, some graphs, some information that you had about official visits and the data of how official visits do or do not turn into signings. Because one thing to turn into a commitment, then it's another thing to get the guy to sign his name in December become a member of your team. You, I think it sounds like you were coming at it from a standpoint of the conventional thinking, the conventional wisdom of you kind of want the last official visit, right? Is that kind of like a message board? And like, um, we're not using message boards derogatorily. We're talking about like message board, like college football fans talking to each other. I've heard that. I've heard people talk about that, right? Is without your perception, you want the last official visit in recruiting.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what what, what I've always seen kind of on message boards and stuff. And, um, you know, you'll see recruits tweet out what are the five schools that they're going to visit And, you know, one fan base will be excited because it's like, oh, yeah, we're getting the number four, the number five visit. And usually the team that's getting the first one isn't as excited about that. But, you know, we can talk about like, should should that actually be our reaction? What does that mean?
1: Yeah. So that's you want to because I do think. I wonder, is it sometimes with the data, bud, that things turn out to be true or at least somewhat true that people don't even realize? Like, I wonder some of it might be, hey, I'm a recruit. I'm making my official visits. I have an idea of who my favorite school is and I'm going to put them last because the other four schools I just want to check out before I get to the confirmation of my number one school, which I'm putting fifth on purpose. So then the data might be reading into the thoughts of the player, but then maybe sometimes players maybe don't even realize it. And there's something that happens Late in the process, right? What, like, that can have an influence whether it's on purpose or not. So, um, do, if we're talking numbers, right? So, you maybe we can't discern feelings from the numbers, but which do you think it might be? If there is a lien, and we'll get to the numbers of a last official visit is better, do you think that's because they put their favorite last on purpose?
0: Okay, so like. Let's, let's do one step back and just say most recruits don't take five visits. Okay. So That's a, true. Recruit, a recruit has five visits they can take. Five official visits that are paid for by the schools, yes. Right. They, can, they have to go to five different schools with them. And then on the school side, the school has 56 visits. So in a recruiting class of 25 players, there's 125 visits on the player side, but only 56 on the school side. So it's only the very top recruits that are actually only going to take five visits. You know, they might tweet that they have five official visits planned, but usually you no, know, most recruits don't. The average, you know, college football P five FBS recruit does not take five visits.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so we can kind of dive into that, but, but really it's just a, a numbers thing. Um, schools are, schools are limited in how many they can give out and they really just try and give it to guys. They, they think they have a good shot at landing. Right.
1: Okay. Cause I guess part of it too could be, I feel like I'm going to go off in a million different directions. Let's well, reverse course here. Bud, let's pretend you're the host and you keep me on track because I'm just going to do scattershot. Part of it also could be right that a guy has three visits signed up and he goes to his first school and he's like, I love it here. This is it. Yeah. And he commits and then yes. that becomes his last visit. Yes. Cause he never gets to two, three, four, or five. So yes. in your data, that would show up as, oh, the school that got the final visit got the commit.
0: Yeah, and and that's really what we see. Like when we look at this, you know, last official visits or what matter graphic, um, you know, you see that the last visit the recruit takes, it's the one that they sign with the most. And it doesn't matter if they're taking one, two, three, four, five, the last visit has the highest signing rate. So we see that in the data. And now it's like, what? OK, what does that mean? And so I think it is a little bit of recruits that are looking at a lot of schools tend to put their favorite schools last. And then I think it's what you brought up, which is once they find the school they like, they stop looking and they sign there and that ends up being their last visit. It's kind of like if you've ever gone looking for a house, you know, once you find the house, you you usually don't keep looking, you get the house. And, right. and so we can pretend like, okay, what if this is not official visits? It's number of houses we looked at. The last house we look at is probably going to have the highest Mortgage signing rate. Um, Right. So, you know, it makes sense intuitively, but there is a lot that goes into it. And I think it's not necessarily something where if you see a Twitter graphic that says, a recruit says, hey, these are my visit orders. I'm doing this one first, this one second, third, fourth, fifth. You shouldn't necessarily read too much into that. Um, I think it's more if you have a player come and official visit your school and then they go somewhere else, that should kind of be a red flag.
1: Okay, so don't read too much into their schedule, because it also might be like, well, you know, my mom had to work and my dad was out of town and this is when we could do this. And then this drive was longer or this is just the school said, hey, come on this weekend because a bunch of our other recruits are coming that weekend. We want you here then, even if that makes us third out of five. And we think so. So don't overread the schedule, but one of the pieces, one of the numbers that you have in one of the tweets that really caught my eye is sort of what you just mentioned. It's that um, basically, if if a if a, a recruit officially visits your school and then takes another official visit, after that official visit, you have less than a twenty five percent chance of signing them. Yeah, that is the That's what you call like the red flag. That's the if they came and they looked and they left without buying the house, you're probably not selling the house to them.
0: Yeah. And I mean, 25% isn't nothing, right? Like it's still, it's still decent odds, but it, it's, not, it's, not a great, it's not a great sign, right? It definitely drops, drops off how much you think you're going to get this guy.
1: Is there anything in the data that you think recruiting directors at colleges should attempt to use because the one thing about maybe the biggest schools have unlimited resources, but there are still rules about how many visits you can have people come on. As you said, 56 visits, there are still still a finite amount of time. The coaches that you send out, is there what information would you suggest that people who are running the show try to use out of what these numbers
0: say? Is there anything? Yeah, I mean, I think a little bit would just be kind of what we talked about. You know, if you start seeing these red flags, it's okay to just give up on a sunk cost. Um, Don't keep pouring coaching time and recruiting resources into somebody who's moved on. Um, I think that's probably the biggest way I would use these data. Um, You know, you can kind of look at when official visits have the highest signing rate. Recruits that visit in the summer sign at a lower rate than, you know, in the fall or winter, but that's a little bit, that's just how classes fill up and spots fill up and official visits get used. Um, So that's, you know, a little bit of a signal in there. And I think a lot of people kind of know that already that, you know, guys that are visiting this time of year are really probably looking at a few different schools um, and feeling it out.
1: So you would say, so I do think it it matters again, in the month of June, you know, there are a lot of guys who are, Ohio state's going to have official visitors sort of like the second week in June, the third week in June, the fourth week in June. There are a lot of guys who have set up their schedules. I'm going here, 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 and here. But it would be reasonable for Ohio State fans listening to this to say, okay, if there's a guy visiting Ohio State from June 17th to 19th, if he doesn't commit to Ohio State in the two, three, or four days after that visit, and the next weekend
0: he's somewhere else, don't hold your breath. I think, I think it's it depends. I mean, I think every recruit's a little bit different. I think it's just setting expectations. You know, when a guy's on campus for an official visit, maybe you're thinking we've got a 40% chance to get him. And then if he goes somewhere else, drop it down in your head from 40%, you know, almost a coin toss to now, you know, 25%, 20%. And it depends where he goes and how many other places he goes and every recruit's different. But um, I think just kind of having these probabilities in your head when you're like, looking at your recruiting class coming together and trying to pencil guys in, um, you know, we tend to be over, over optimistic. Like I think everybody that Florida's targeting is going to end up signing with Florida and we've got a great shot on this guy and this guy and this guy. And if you read the Florida message board, it reads like that. And really these are guys that you should probably be dropping their chance of signing with Florida. Um, you know, the more they're going other places. So it's just stuff to, to keep in mind. Okay.
1: Okay, is there anything else about official visits? There's some other things you have some transfer portal data that you have gathered and written about that I think is really interesting as well that we want to talk about from an official visit standpoint. Uh, is there anything else inside the numbers? Is there any, I don't know if you've broken anything down. Is there anything different between conferences on official visits? Is there anything geographically? or position wise about players. Cause I know you've done some of that
0: with the portal, which we're going to get into. Yeah. I what, haven't what... looked into that as much. I've looked into a little bit, how, you know, recruit ranking influences it. And, you know, we see these highly rated guys that do a lot of official visits. Um, if they commit somewhere, they're less likely to end up signing there. If they official visit there, they're less likely to end up signing there than a lower rated guy. So, you know, a low three-star if he official visits a school, he's probably gonna end up signing there. If he commits to a school, he's probably gonna be end up signing there. So it's like, if a number one, if the if a five star player says I'm committed somewhere, they end up signing there about eighty percent of the time, versus you know a three star player if they're committed somewhere they sign at ninety percent. Okay. Uh, so we see kind of different rates where highly rated guys their their decommits actually mean less too they decommit from a school. They're actually more likely to end up signing there than a low rated guy who decommits. So it's interesting. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's some, there's some interesting stuff in in that data for, for rankings. Okay. Interesting.
1: All right. So let's take a quick break here on Buckeye talk. When we come back, we, we want to get into even more data with Bud Davis, who is kind enough to share some of his time with us here on Buckeye talk. I just think When you can try to find a couple answers, everybody's looking for an edge in recruiting. And if you can find a little, how you spend resources is such an important part of that. You can't can't throw um, time and money, mostly time, away on guys you have a really low chance of getting because it's going to cost you a guy that you actually had a good shot at. Anyway, next, more with Bud on Buckeye Talk. Back with Bud Davis, where can the, if people want to follow you on Twitter for when you drop these morsels, what's your Twitter handle? Yeah,
0: it's at J Bud Davis, the letter J and then Bud Davis. Okay. All one I, word. I would suggest you people follow him. Um, where typically
1: do you do, I know there's a substack that you've written on. If people want to find your writing, I mean, just follow you on Twitter. And then if you write something, I assume you tweet it but where do you, do you have an outlet where you typically write or how, are you making any money off this or are you just some millionaire geologist who just does this for fun?
0: I do this mainly for fun. Uh, I've done a couple articles for, for Florida specific stuff on uh, a Florida site called read and reaction. And then a lot of the bigger college football stuff will go on uh, the college football numbers, Substack, stack, um, okay. where, you know, a lot of, a lot of college football analytics people will write. Um, so that's a really good, good resource.
1: I just subscribed to that today, and yeah, there's it, a there's like a million things on there that I already want to read. Yeah, it's a it's a great resource. But I had a podcast I had to get to because I had this guy named Bud Davis <laughs> who was coming on it, so I couldn't read everything. Uh, but it's, it's I I really like. Listen, it's not the end all be all, but it adds to your knowledge of how these things work. And again, I'm telling you, I don't know if Pantoni ever listens to this thing. Every little edge matters, and I've talked with Mark Pantoni who's the director of recruiting for Ohio State, one of the best in the business of what he does, formerly of Florida. You know Mark Pantoni, bud, back in the day. Nick and yeah. Pantoni <laughs> and Volt and all the Meyer crew, they all come up to Ohio State. Uh, the numbers matter. They're curious about numbers. Now, do you get recruits on numbers? No. You get recruits on relationships. You get recruits on, we can present a package to you that you're going to have a good productive career at Ohio State or Florida, wherever you go, and then make the NFL. That's how you get it. You don't get them on numbers, but every little thing helps. You, Bud, did a thing about recruiting leading to championships, the sort of the level at which teams must recruit. Other people have done things like this. The blue chip ratio from Bud Elliott, which you reference in your piece, you say you're a fan of that. He certainly helped maybe start that conversation of trying to quantify recruiting and how it does or does not turn into um, a championship level team. But for instance, you came up with a thing that, that analyzes both sort of the best of the best on a team and then the depth of the roster through recruiting. And you came up with your own sort of analysis of that. And for instance, going into last year, you had nine teams that you said met the championship caliber threshold for your numbers. And I think I'm assuming you ranked them then sort of in order and your number two team was Georgia. So you got it right. (laughs) It's like, so it's like, Oh, like when you do that, does that make you think like, well, yes, this is correct then because you had Alabama number one, Georgia number two, and they were the two teams that made the college football national championship, by the way, Ohio state third in, in this rating that you came up with last year seems interesting. Again, a lot of this, there's there's such a small group that really recruits at the top, the top, the top, the top. Anybody who analyzes numbers like this is gonna come up with basically the same group of teams. And guess what? Michigan and Cincinnati weren't in here because since and if Cincinnati had pulled two gigantic upsets, then they wouldn't have been in your top nine. But if you're looking for a team like Georgia, an analysis like this would have helped you last year. What did you find in sort of those that two-pronged approach to how recruiting builds a championship team? both the depth, but then even, it seems like more importantly, the elite talent of the guys who are going to wind up being your stars. What'd you
0: learn? Yes, yeah, so this, this is a piece you mentioned, Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio, and it kind of came out of that because um, Florida hasn't been great lately. You know, Since Urban Meyer left, we've had some pretty mediocre years, but you know, we always kind of exceed that 50% blue chip ratio, and you know, it just doesn't kind of pass the eye test that this should be the low bar. Um, and so, just just kind of talking about it and looking at Florida's class scores, I remember, you know, I, it was pretty clear we we were good but not great in terms of recruiting. And so it was like, well, is is the fifty percent blue chip ratio really the best tool to look at? Um, and so I went looking at, at class scores, and there's really kind of two ways to look at um, what makes up a team, and you know, you can have half your roster be blue chips. And that's great. You've got a, probably a really good deep team, but if you don't have that elite talent, especially in college football, just a few game breaking playmakers, then you're probably actually not going to win a a national championship. So I went kind of looking for new thresholds. So um, I looked at both. What was the four year average, which is what the blue chip ratio looks at. It looks at the previous four years, are half of your recruits four or five stars or better. That's what Bud Elliott's done in the past. So I looked at both the blue chip ratio, the recruiting class score, and the average recruit rating that people had pulled in. And I looked at both the four-year average and the best class or the best value in the previous four years. Okay. Um, to kind of come up with, with dual metrics for, do you have the elite talent? the best in four years, and then do you have the depth, which is the average over four years?
1: Because I do think Uh peaks matter. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, depth is good, but peak you better have a peak in there somewhere that's not just good all the time.
0: Right, exactly. Um, And you kind of see that with, like, 2016, Clemson, 2010, Auburn. Like, those teams are kind of crummy in, if you look at the four-year values, like, they hadn't recruited great but there's usually one elite class that's mixed in with them too. Um, and that elite class really just helps bump you up. So this kind of helped, you know, make sense for what I had seen with Florida, where, you know, it looked like we've got pretty good depth, but we never just had the, those guys, those one or two, three or four, just dudes mm. that make a big difference, um, for getting to that next level to actually be competing, like at a, at a playoff level. Um, so kind of putting this together, like now I, now I kind of usually look for two things. Um, and I, I like recruiting class scores. I think those do a pretty good job of like capturing, capturing depth, capturing elite talent in recruiting. And so I look at, you know, a four-year weighted average at around 261, which is basically like over four years, you need to average a top 10 class. Okay.
1: And this <laughs> is like the recruiting class scores on 247 sports. Yeah. It's that total. That yeah. you get at the end of like oh yeah your
0: your class yeah. is
1: three twenty three point six one yeah
0: yep and you know it is kind of influenced by the size of the class but I but think that adds doesn't... to depth that that yeah. influences depth right right so I think it does a pretty good job so I like you know if over four years you're averaging a top ten class you've probably got good depth on your team but then you probably also need to mix in one top five class um, so if you're getting one top five class every four years and you're averaging a top ten class then you've probably got pretty decent talent on your team to compete for a championship. And I think that's kind of the, you know, back of the envelope numbers I look at now in recruiting.
1: So again, the nine teams that then met your threshold for a year ago, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, Texas, Texas A&M, Oregon, and Oklahoma. I do think that peak factor in there that's where you're differentiating yourself some sort of the, the blue chip ratio that you've got to, it can't just be average top 10. It's you have to throw in like a top five here or there again, for yeah. like Ohio state, that's, Hey, we're good. We're good. We're good. And then here's the class with chase young and yep. JK Dobbins and Jeff Okuda. And guess what? Those are the guys that get you over the top in the end. And if you just yeah. had good without a peak like that, it's, it's probably not good enough. Yeah. Um, Okay, I think that's valuable. I think that's a that's a next level to a thing that a lot of people have become aware of with blue chip issues. So I like that. Right? You take data and then you you, you add more data. You read yeah. data. That's size, I believe is that the and you try you size? try and make it
0: informed by like what you've seen on the field, what you've seen play out. Right?
1: Like like you try like my eyeballs tell me this. Is it true? Let me yeah. let me check the data that's out there and then add my eyeball thing with and get more data on my eyeballs. And yeah. now here you are so you using thought-
0: using that, using that metric that we just talked about, it excluded Florida. And that was something that I actually liked to see because I didn't think Florida had the recruiting talent to be championship caliber last year. And we certainly your, eyes,
1: your eyes are telling you that over this, yeah. a, a period of years, yeah. Hey, this ratio is saying we're in the mix. My eyeballs are telling me, no, we're not.
0: Yeah. And it's part didn't. of the reason I think Dan Mullen got fired because of your research. No, 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 because he wasn't bringing <laughs> no, in into <laughs> that, that elite talent. And, and the fans at large knew this. We didn't have the elite talent to compete with Georgia. Um, right. Yeah.
1: Dan Mullen, if Dan Mullen was aware of your research, he, he would have called you out in press conference. <laughs> Who is this J. Bud Shaw? Some kind of rock doctor trying uh, to tell me how to recruit? I, I don't recruit know if that's four his, days a year.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's, that's his vibe. I think he... Would have more just scoffed and moved on.
1: People, do people call geologists rock doctors?
0: Oh, yeah. For
1: real? Oh, I didn't invent that. I was sort of hoping I invented this.
0: Yeah, rock. My dad says it all the time. I'm a rock
1: doc. I'm a dad. I'm a yeah. dad like that. That's my dad's sense of humor. Okay, so let's go to the portal. There's a lot of, like, there's some, this is, is this exciting for you that, like, the portal data, when you're doing data, do you want a long history of things to study or a shorter history where there's not as much research. I know you're talking about, you're studying the history of the earth's crust and you're like, yeah, 2 million years. Is it long enough? I've got to program my computer to do it even longer. So now it's like, hey, is a four-year portal sample big enough for you? Like, does it drive you nuts of like, I'm trying to draw conclusions and it's so new I can't? Or do you like it because it's new and exciting?
0: I think both. Like, I think, you know, it's new and exciting. It's try- It's cool trying to figure out st- how this works, that's something so new. But at the same time, like, if you think about, we got the portal, we got NIL, and we got COVID all mixed in this data together. So, you know, I think my general conclusions are probably good. Um, I think we've got a big enough sample size to make some of these conclusions, especially like the obvious ones. But a lot of them are probably going to change over time. Okay.
1: all right. So, in reading this piece, and again, you guys can read this on the uh, cfbnumbers.substack.com. You've got to sign up, but it's free. You put in your email, and then you sign up, and then like when stuff comes out, it'll get emailed right to you. So that's how Substacks work. Um, I'm too lazy to branch out and do my own Substack. I just want to check from somebody else. So, but Bud is on here. So this is a, a something that he published a couple months ago. There are two conclusions that, again, are not shocking, but when you have data behind it, it's it's nice to have that reinforced that I want to talk about, and then we can branch off on things too. One is you're saying skill players transfer more than trench players. That's the phrase you used for the linemen. That's another good phrase I like. Skill versus trench, more skill guys go. What did you think of that conclusion? Did that match your eyeballs, or were you surprised by that?
0: it was a little, it was, it was kind of shocking to me how clear it was. Um, I think I thought, you know, it was definitely worth looking at position rates of transfer. Um, And, you know, QB makes sense. Like, yes, there can only be one QB on the field at a time. If you recruit one per class, the guys are going to feel left out. And so it's like, okay, QB makes sense. I think the high transfer rates for running backs, safeties, DBs, And, like, being in that order right next to QBs, like, and just all the skilled guys being lumped together um, and all the trench guys being on the other side, I think that surprised me. Um, You know, especially because teams are getting lighter. You know, there's a lot of wide receivers on the field at once. There's – DBs rotate more. Um, You know, running backs rotate a fair amount now. Like – I think all of that kind of surprised me a little bit. And, you know, it just feeds in a little bit to stereotypes. We think about college football and it was weird to see that play out in numbers. Um, yeah,
1: I wonder, I think we understand a lot of times offensive and defensive linemen, you get in first year, you're a training table, you're in the weight room, you're sort of conditioned to understand you're not going to play right away as a guy like that. So you get in there you're not thinking, I got to get on the field. I got to get on the field because you're trying to gain 40 pounds yeah. of muscle. And so then, then if you get to year two and year three and it's still not popping for you, you might be more patient because you've been conditioned to be patient. Where if you're out in space and you're like, I'm fast, I have good ball skills, I'm ready. Yeah. The, maybe you're not conditioned to wait. And it feels like the numbers maybe are playing out what we would assume the mindset to be.
0: Yeah, and, and that was my preferred explanation is that it, it kind of seems like it might be a development thing. A lot, of, a lot of wide receivers, DBs, running backs come in year one ready to go. Yep. And so maybe that's playing a role here. Um, but that one, that one was that was a really interesting you know, result and conclusion from this work that I didn't go into thinking about that being in mind at all. Okay.
1: All right. Another conclusion that you drew from the data is that most of the transfers are down, not up. Yeah. They are going from power five down to group of five. And I like the way you talked about this. You can talk about it like a doctor. I'll talk about it like a podcast host. The power five, it's a, it's, a much, it's a minus ratio. They lose more guys than they get. They go down to the group of five. The group of five is basically even. They lose guys and gain guys. And then the FCS level, formerly Division I AA, they have a high gain ratio because they're, they're getting a lot more than they're losing. What did you think when the numbers told you that?
0: It was really interesting. I mean, because it's definitely not what we follow the most and what the media reports on the most. um, Right. We, we care about the big transfers. Right. uh, That are, you know, P5 to P5 prestige P5 program to prestige P5 program that gets all the coverage. Um, When in reality, most of the portal transfers we actually see are guys Probably aren't getting playing time. They're probably not cut out for the level they're at. And they really just want to play and and they're moving down to find playing time, which which is interesting. I think a lot of people would say, hey, that's that's a good thing that the portal works like that.
1: No, I think that's how it should work, but then like you don't know, is that how it does work? And it's like, oh no, that that actually kind of is. For the most for most people, that is how it works. Another conclusion that you had in that data was that. The better your recruiting class is as a school, the more likely it is that you will have transfers, that there's a, a correlation between highly ranked class, high transfers, which, again, makes sense. But it's nice to have the numbers back that up, because I think if you're a fan of Alabama or Ohio State or programs like that, you're thinking, oh, my God, all these guys are leaving. It's like, well, it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And the numbers showed that, right?
0: Yeah. And... You know, we saw it with really good classes and also really big classes. Okay. Um, Both of them have high transfer rates. And I think both of them are are caused by the same thing, which is competition for playing time. Um, When competition for playing time is higher, more guys transfer. So,
1: And it's one of the things, you want to have
0: a highly ranked recruited class
1: and you want to bring in a lot of, and it's like, hey, we have three top 100 players at safety in the same class. It's like, well, guess what? It's not going to be three happy dudes in two years. You know, somebody's going to be unhappy and they're going to leave. Whereas right. if you only had one top 100 player, it's like, well, he's going to play. And then everyone else is happy to be a backup. Anything else, bud? Um, portal, portal, recruiting, uh, the, a championship roster. Any <laughs> aha moments that you've had
0: in the last year? Kind of, kind of little surprising things is always like trend breakers. And um, in the transfer data, I thought it was really interesting to see that five stars and really highly rated guys buck the trend. So for most recruits, you see it, you know, the higher rated the player, the more likely they are to transfer. And then it drops off right at the end for the oh. most highly rated guys. They actually transfer at a pretty low rate. Um, what was the know,
1: threshold of that as like the highest, like where did you draw that line for the highly rated guys when it drops off like top 25 guys in the class or right, five right, around,
0: right around five stars. So probably top 40, top 30 guys. So there's 32 five stars every year. Um, that so, makes, that's interesting yeah but look so at the right first. around there it drops off and it's pretty interesting like it's probably those guys maybe they get a little more accommodations from the schools maybe they get to be a little pickier with where they end up but it does seem like they get better fits with where they come out of high school than other pretty highly rated guys so interesting yeah that was interesting um conferences, you know, I think maybe another thing that's worth mentioning is about 5% of a class transfers out every year. Um, and those percentages are probably going up. So at the end of four years, you've probably lost about a fifth of your class to the transfer portal. Um, by the time these guys are seniors, you know, one in four of them is almost gone. One in four, one in 5 of them is probably gone.
1: And that's just the norm. Again, it's one of these things. If, if fans know that it's just numbers, man. I mean, it's like, don't be mad or don't be, don't be mad at the players or don't think your program's falling apart. It's just, this is what's happening everywhere. I think that's helpful for fans, right? Because, because fans, right? Don't you think, bud, you can get yourself in a dither about stuff without realizing, no, this is what happens everywhere.
0: Yeah. It's all just about expectations and kind of having a number in the back of your head for how things, you know, what, what's, what's the baseline.
1: So, yeah. All right. So you are, would be prepared to give up life as a rock doctor to get hired by a recruiting department. Out of college? Or is rock doctor, is that biz too lucrative?
0: Uh, it's, I, like, I like my work-life balance. I like, okay. I like my job. Like I've got a great job. Um, this is fun to do, but I think it would be very hard to do it.
1: If, someone, if somebody hired you, if, if Nick Saban, after listening to this podcast, or Ryan Day, or Billy Napier, especially if it's Billy Napier, that's your guy, he's a good coach, called you up and said, I like where your head's at. I think I'm looking for every recruiting edge possible. We want you to come in 40 hours a week uh, and we want you and we want you to just to to find whatever data you can find that gives us an edge in recruiting. Do you think that any person in that position, if there was an analytics person in every recruiting department in the country or maybe just the smartest ones? Would you, would you be worth the money? Would you, could you find edges? Could you inform schools and how they go about the business of recruiting that might make them slightly more successful?
0: Maybe it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out with NIL, you know, cause a lot of ways NIL could play out like a salary, make college football, like a salary cap free sport. Yep. And then it's really going to be optimizing how much money you pay each player. And and how much are you willing to spend on the number one recruit versus the number 100 recruit? And there's a lot of edges there. And I think if NIL does play out that way, then analytics are going to win championships 100% on that side. Um, but, yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how this, how this all plays out.
1: Because at the moment, it might be like, hey, here's Bud's report on the latest data that he crunched. And then it's like, hey, here's a million-dollar check from the car dealer down the street who threw it into our collective and said, hey, go get this guy. It's like, okay, well, thanks for the data, Bud. We're going to have this million-dollar check. But the more structured, right, when it's a free-for-all, and especially if it's unregulated, you don't know what's up, the more structured it becomes, then you can analyze it. Then you say, these are our resources. These are how we can spend them. That's when you really would have a chance to make a difference. If you don't even know what the resources are, or how, or there's no data to crunch, right? What nal data is there to crunch right now? Nobody knows what's real and what's yeah. not. That makes it almost impossible. If it becomes more real, then a guy like you could dig in there and make a difference.
0: Yeah, and I think I think there's some back of the envelope numbers you could use, and you know, I think these schools have a have a pretty good handle or collectives or whatever on what their overall budget is. And so then now it's just deciding, Hey, what percent of my budget do I spend at this position on uh, the number one CB on the board versus a transfer CB and, and doing that type of analysis, I think, you know, you can win championships doing that. So it's,
1: yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what they do in the NFL. It's all about, you you have a cap. Yeah.
0: We might not, but NFL is kind of all about gaming the draft or gaming the CBA contracts Like, you know, guys get called tight ends who are basically wide receivers. And yeah, it's just a lot lot of games like that versus we, you know, college football could potentially be the freest market you've ever seen with sports money, which, which could lead to some wild roster optimization and and cool analytics stuff. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause if there's no, you can, you know what you can spend and everybody's available. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you spend
0: it? There's no rookie contracts. There's yep. nothing like that. It's, I'll I want you, this guy. I want him for one year and we're going to win a championship. So.
1: Yeah. If, if, if we get to something like that, and maybe we're there already, but the closer we get to something like that, man, your phone's going to be ringing off the hook, man. Or you're at least going to be getting DMs at J. Bud Davis <laughs> on Twitter because people will be like, yeah, we got optimized. We got to figure out, because now we can spend it. We're allowed to spend it. Now we got to figure out how to spend it the smartest way to get our bang for the buck. For the most production at the most important positions at the highest level players.
0: Yeah, so I looked into this actually a, a little bit a while back. Um, you know where are the positions and roster depth, how should you kind of allocate it? you know QB your QB one's the most important um, you know, and then it's it's like CB1, linebacker one, safety one you know, wide receiver one running back one, those are like those guys on your roster. If you lock those up, you've got really, you've probably, and you think you've got some of the best ones, um, in the country, then you're probably going to win a championship, you know, uh, and I've kind of come at this a, a few different ways. That was like some analysis I did with, um, some sports info solutions, which is a really cool resource, mm-hmm. um, they have some some techniques to assign numbers to guys who are just like blocking on a play. Um, they have on-off stats is, is what they're called. Um, so it's kind of a cool way to look at, you know, how important each position is and how is depth important at each position. So yeah, it'll be neat to see if that, if that type of stuff starts happening.
1: I feel like you could have made some money doing data analytics like for Bagman back in the day. <laughs> it's like, hey, if you're going to which recruit should you put $10,000 in a in a sack and drop off in a parking lot how do you maximize it that would have yep. been uh you could have donors like boosters subscribing to your substack just to figure that out uh bud thanks for the help on this man i i am fascinated by this stuff and i do think every edge matters right every yeah. edge matters
0: yeah so it's fun. Well, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed uh, enjoyed talking with you. All
1: right, you can follow me at jbuddavis on Twitter. We will come back and wrap up this conversation next on Buckeye Talk. All right, so this applies some Bud Davis thinking then uh, to some of the people that Ohio State has visiting this month. So they have kind of a handful of official visits um, this June 10th weekend, next weekend not this coming weekend, but the next. I always get confused by next, like this weekend, next weekend. The June 10th weekend, handful of guys. June 17th weekend, more guys. Decent number of those are guys who are already committed, who are making their official visit. So that's kind of a different animal, not really the same thing. But then the last weekend of the month, June 24th weekend, they have a lot of people in and a lot of their higher priority guys. And again, like by the data, that's not a coincidence. They want... To be late in the process for these guys, so let's look at a couple guys and their schedules, and what maybe you should be on the lookout for, just as they go through their process. When you, when my Ohio State need to get a commitment from a guy for this to work out. So let's look at Olas Allenin. This guy is the number 109 player uh, in the 247 composite ratings in the class of 2023. He's an offensive tackle from Connecticut. He's probably one of the top two tackles in the class of 23 left on Ohio State's board. 247 crystal balls all have him to Alabama, but this is his schedule. This is his official visit schedule for the month of June for Olas Allenin. June 3rd, Miami. June 10th, Alabama. June 17th, Georgia. June 24th, Ohio State. So Ohio State, he has four official visits scheduled. Ohio State's last. So, if he doesn't commit on the visit to Bama, if he doesn't commit after being in Bama on the weekend of June 10th, Ohio State's in it. If Or he might not even get here. He might not get to Columbus because he might commit after that Bama visit. And... Cancel his other officials. He's he's talked to some of our recruiting people. Uh, Alabama, he just has a good relationship there. They've kind of been in the lead. He's unofficially visited there a bunch of times, but I just do think it matters. That Ohio State at the moment is last on his schedule. If he gets out of Tuscaloosa without a commitment and he gets to Columbus on this big weekend and the final weekend in June when a lot of Ohio State guys are going to be here, then Ohio State has a chance. Let's look at Justice Haynes, probably the highest, not probably, the, the highest rated running back that Ohio State really is still deeply involved in the class of 2023. Richard Young, as you know, the five star, said he's not taking one of his officials to Columbus. I guess it doesn't slam the door shut for sure, but it's not a great sign. Let's look at his list. June 3rd, Georgia. June 10th, Florida. June 17th, Alabama. June 24th, Ohio State. He's got Ohio State last. Now, his dad played at Georgia. He's got connections there. He just switched some of his official visits. He was going to go to USC. He canceled the USC official visit, made it Florida instead. He had a good connection by everything you read. Uh on his unofficial to Florida, and Bama's Bama. So it's three SEC schools, but Ohio State's last. They already have Mark Fletcher at running back in the class of 2023, who's committed. They want a second guy, Justice Haynes. If he gets to Columbus on June 24th without committing on one of these other visits in SEC country, I think they have a shot. Let's look at Caleb Downs, five-star safety, who's one of the most important guys left in 2023 for Ohio State. His officials that he has lined up, June 3rd, Georgia, June 10th, Notre Dame. June 17th, Alabama. June 24th, Ohio State. If he gets here, they're in it. That's a big one. That's a big one, right? Let's look at Tackett Curtis, the running the linebacker from Louisiana that Jim Knowles has been all over. He has three official visits scheduled. June 3rd, Wisconsin. June 17th, USC. June 24th, Ohio State. So these are four guys that... Ohio State has on the last weekend of the month. Olas Allen, Justice Haynes, Caleb Downs, Tackett Curtis. Keep your eyes on all of them. This one's a little different. This is a guy who's not coming on June 24th through Ohio State. This is receiver Brandon Ennis. Ohio State obviously still in on a bunch of receivers in this class of 2023. June 3rd, Alabama for an official for him. June 17th, Ohio State. His other officials he says he's going to save until the fall. And he said definitely, this is what he's told several outlets, definitely one of them's going to be USC. So he's making his official to Ohio State in the summer and saving – he has a bunch of other schools he wants to look at, other schools for the fall. Maybe that's one of those where he gets to Ohio State and he's sort of like a silent commit and he's like, yeah, I'm I'm with you guys, but I just want to check out some stuff once school starts. I don't know. But that's a little more complicated than some of these guys they have lined up to come in on June 24th as the last of their summer visits. And then uh, let's look at a guy, Daniel Harris, who is a cornerback from Florida, ranked 311 in the class of 2023 uh, by the 247 composite ratings. June 3rd. This guy's all over Big Ten country. June 3rd, Michigan. June 10th, Ohio State. June 17th, Georgia. June 24th, Penn State. So that's one where Ohio State's early on his list. They are not late. And again, maybe his parents have a thing. Maybe, you know, it, there's just the schedule worked out, the travel plans, the plane tickets, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that do go into it. Now what official visit, you're not paying for the plane ticket. But anyway, uh, really, that's why, again, anecdotally, a lot of you would know, hey, those guys on June 24th. It's, the, it's the, the late the late visit for a lot of them, the last visit for a lot of them. They're here together. You get that group feeling and you get that going. The guys who aren't here on June 24th, who are here earlier on the 10th or the 17th, doesn't mean they won't be Buckeyes, but it's just a little different part of the equation. So if they get here on the 24th, Ohio State's in it, but maybe some guys will pop commit elsewhere before they even get here. And then, you know, do you let those guys go on an official somewhere else? I mean, you can't let... You can discourage them. Nick Saban can say, hey, man, don't. I don't want you going to Columbus if you're going to commit here, right? So we'll see how that goes. But I wanted to apply some of the data to some of the particular instances for you guys to keep um, your eyes on. So we're going to be covering that in Cleveland.com slash OSU. We have our, our recruiting freelancers who are doing a great job. Um, Robbie Fenbers among them. He's been with us for a long time. He's really been all over it lately, um, especially while Stephen was out. So thanks to Robbie for all his hard work. A bunch of other people that we have working on that. And, of course, Stephen. Stephen back throwing himself into this is going to be out there at all the camps and I certainly will check in on the recruiting here and there when I can so the plan come back on Thursday the Thursday Buckeye talk will be kind of what we saw at the recruiting camp on Wednesday and then there's more camps next week and we are going to be right everywhere you're on commitment watch a little bit because again if Ohio State has some of these guys early in the month and they have other visits planned elsewhere maybe they want to get them they want a commitment now you're here. Let's do this. So we will keep you posted on all of that. Thanks to you guys for listening. Thanks to Bud Davis for, you know, again, I'm, I'm just a guy on Twitter. And and I don't even have my face as my Twitter avatar right now. I kind of got caught up in this thing. I don't know if you guys do this. I like to watch I'm so old. I like to watch shows with the closed captioning on because it's not that I'm deaf, but – you know, you miss a thing, whatever. And then a lot of times the closed captioning gives you little clues because sometimes a lot of shows like to have whisper talking like off to the side in the background. And you don't – you really aren't intended to hear it, but the closed captioning will let you – will say what it is. And it's like, oh, that seems important. And sometimes it tells you what song is playing and a lot of times it just says indistinct chatter. I do think indistinct chatter is a great name for a band, also a horse, also a boat. So that's one of my indistinct chatter comes up a lot in my life now as I'm reading my TV shows. So whenever the name Doug is on a TV show, if it's a funny line and it's on the closed captioning and it says Doug, uh, I pause it and I take a picture of the screen. And I've been trying to change my avatars around on Twitter and use that. I had a Paul Rudd, um, Jason Segel one from I Love You Man because the guy, there, this guy Doug comes in and they're looking and they say Doug. And at the moment, I have one from uh, the morning show, which is on Apple with Jennifer Aniston and Will Arnett. And Will Arnett's character's name is Doug. And Jennifer Aniston says, shut up, Doug. And so that's my frame. It's Will Arnett and Jennifer Aniston. And I kind of like it because it's like, why? Who is this guy? Why does he have Jennifer Aniston and Will Arnett? And then you got to click on it. And then you then you zoom in and then you can see, oh, it says shut up, Doug. So um, I'm really should be more professional and have my own face on it. But anyway, so it's like this guy, on twitter's like what this guy with a will arnett jennifer anderson twitter avatar wants me to be on his podcast and bud davis did it so i like having people like that i with a kind of a different view of things helps inform us and in the way we look at things and so i liked bud thanks to him for being on i like you thanks for listening to buckeye talk i'm dougley maurice and that was buckeye talk <laughs>